0: Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. We are going to jump right back into a series that we started last week, going over what we are calling the three B's. The three B's stand for belong, believe, and become. These three B's represent what we believe is a path towards resilient child discipleship. So for those of you who are asking, how do I do this? This is the beginning of that conversation. Last week, just a few episodes ago, in whatever podcast catcher you're listening to this, we talked all about belonging. It was this great conversation featuring Chris Marchand from Moana and Josh Mulvihill from Renew a Nation. This week, it's a very similar format. We start the conversation with Chris Marchand, but this week we are talking about Believe. I'm really excited for you guys to hear what Chris has to say, but make sure you stay tuned to the entire episode because... After the practical conversation with Chris, I'll introduce you to Bob and Tim Bennett. I'll tell you more about them after the conversation with Chris. What I will say right now is that Bob and Tim are a great example of what all of the things that we've discussed on this podcast so far look like in real life. And this isn't just about plugging some awesome people within Awana as an organization. That's not the point of this. The point is that God is up to something and that Tim and Bob are a great example of what that looks like on the ground. And I know that you, the person who's listening to this podcast, also have examples of what these intellectual conversations look like in the real world. And I want to hear those stories. There's a few different ways that you can engage with this podcast. And I'm really excited to share all of your stories as part of this conversation. So if you email podcasts at awana.org, or if you leave a voicemail by calling 630 630- 630 289-5353 or by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast. All of those are with things that you can do to engage with me directly, but you can also just talk to start talking to your friends about this. Start talking to other parents within your context about the future that your kids are going to be walking into. That's going to look dramatically different than our childhoods. We so strongly desire to partner with you in what you are doing in your local context. And I can't wait to hear from you. With that being said, here we go with episode 11 of the Resilient Disciples podcast.
1: When we talk about belief, we're talking about a deeply scriptural ministry rooted in the truth of God's word and the power of the gospel. And so one of the things that we don't want to have happen for this generation Um, and and, you know, this isn't, again, we keep talking about this, it's not anything new, but we, we also don't want our kids to have a a theology, a a practical theology, uh, that's a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm. Um, We want them to be saturated with the scriptures so that they know it cover to cover. And it, and it's, it's a, it's a practical apologetic for their life that, because people are going to ask them. Whether they're curious or even whether or not they're, they're combative or, or confrontational, they're going to get in our kids' faces with this. And so how do we equip them with the, the tools and the, the knowledge and the understanding um, to be able to have those conversations and those engagements and not come from a place of deficit with it? Mm. Um, because the reality is, is think about it this way. If you're a ministry practitioner that right now a child from a different faith is spending far more time and far more engagement around the things that they believe as per the 1.2 hours or 1.5 hours a week that we minister to our kids. I mean, if you think about it, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. Jesus spent roughly 8,750 hours with the disciples, depending on how you judge meals and bathroom breaks. And <laughs> and at that point, if all we do is is minister to our kids 1.5 hours a week, it means that every three years you only get five days to make disciples. Wow. So, and I love this too, because as a, I'm sure that there's a children's pastor out there that's got this or a youth pastor out there that's gotten this where you know, you have a kid that comes up to you and there's like, you know, it, it's just, it feels like homework. It feels like you it's, you, you want me to do and learn things and, and I don't want to do that. And it's like, well, on one hand I get that. There needs to be a retreat from just that, that pace and that season of life. But the things that I'm, that I'm imparting to you, the things that I am, you know, the, the, either, whether it be the doctrine, the theology, um, the, 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 the structure and the sequence of the gospel, um, I'm not giving this to you so that you file it away into the part of your brain where it's like, we're never going to ever use this again because, and I, and I love how CS Lewis puts this and, um, and, and forgive me, but I'm, 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 I'm going to probably paraphrase what he says is that it'd be great, but, uh, you, you never know what you truly believe until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death for you. And so.
0: This is a sidebar. Do you think C.S. Lewis <laughs> just was walking around just like knowing that everything he said would be a bumper sticker someday? Probably. He's yeah, just, just like, just
1: He's just gonna, this is going to be good. This is a good <laughs> one right here. I mean, but but I think the reality for this generation and the cultural landscape that we're engaging in is that more and more our kids here domestically at home are probably going to be increasingly engaged like most of the children are around the world today who call themselves Christians. hmm and that it's it's going to leave this sort of fantasy space, this simulation space and it's going to get into do you believe this or do you don't believe this. And I think how do we prepare our kids and give them the tools that they need that aren't just good sayings. They're not just, you know, you know, tweetable and true. It, mm-hmm. It's it's more of just how do we equip our kids to bring the truth of God's word? To, to a culture that is constantly trying to rewrite their operating system according to the standards of this just carnal world. Mm. So
0: when you you talked about this, you know, you you were able to paint about how this looks, what this looks like in, in Belong. And I think one of the things that strikes me as particularly challenging about mm. discipling to the point of belief is that each kid is going to come to this place in a different way at a different totally. time. And I think about the people who maybe come to that place of belief will say more naturally.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I
0: think about my own story of I was a priester, and then I had kind of like a come to Jesus moment on a Christmas Eve service at midnight. It was, it was like straight out of like a Hallmark movie. And that comes from a, the sort of lack of trauma, the sort of that really what I was fighting in my life was comfort, right? Mm-hmm. And realizing that God had called me for more. How do you walk individual kids through the various parts of belief, like through the pivot point, because it's gonna look so different for so many kids?
1: Yeah, I think the so walking each kid individually, it's see, this is the part where we we need to realize that it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit in this way, Um, because the left alone humans are going to standardize and optimize things. And we're going to try to put everybody through the same pipeline and process. Are we not? Um, But in in God's brilliant design for the universe, he's like, no, I'm going to make you all different. (laughs) Um, And, and you're, you know, right down to your fingerprints, you're going to be different and you're going to come to things at different stages. And at times, you know, I was challenged with this back when, um, when I was an undergrad, but I, I remember I had a professor that would tell that he would just say, you know, how long if the Holy Spirit left your ministry, how long would it take for you to realize he was gone? So it's like, how how long, yeah, how much, how much attention are we truly paying to, you know, this partnership that we're engaged with? Because it's, it's not us, you know, we are, we're, we are co-partnering with God to make disciples for his kingdom. And so there's some things where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe we're going to have some, some standardization, some optimization, but then there's just going to be some moments where, Hey, this is that kid's pivot point. And and you need to, just like that leader who I walked up to, he was like, Hey, I'm willing to put all of this structure and programming on hold because what you need right now is greater than my plan. Mm. And I think that that's when we approach each child and this really gets into the kind of the leveling up of the leader in a lot of ways that, um, it's not just about being a, you know, a child disciple maker. It's not just about just having the core basic leadership skills or discipleship skills in order to do that. But like, if you want to level up your leadership, like there's, there's a difference, um, you know, between, you know, Mr. Miyagi and Obi-Wan Kenobi, like they're, they're, they're very different, but they're both, they're both incredible mentors, but, um, how they, you know, how they adapt, how they, how they, uh, you know, change perspectives on the fly, how, how they, you know, look at each scenario is different. Um, I think that that's an aspect to just our spiritual disciple making that we need to bring into the equation. Can, if, if the spirit is going to move, can we pivot? Like, are, are we willing to drop what yeah. we're doing? Cause that kid needs us to either answer a hard question or, um, engage with them through some pain. Mm. Um, sometimes I also think that inside of that space, it's also for the leader. You know, a lot of times we think we, you know, what am I going to say? And what am I going to do? It might not be either one of those things. It might just be for you as a leader. Just this, this is why. Okay. Let's, let's, can we talk about Winnie the Pooh here for a minute? Cause Always. I just, this is, this is amazing because I, I love the characters in Winnie the Pooh. Some people think that, you know, that's a cartoon uh, rendering of the Enneagram, which I don't know if that's, that's true or not. But anyway, but th- what I love, it really does. It thinks yeah. about too much, but, and then it gives somebody like me too much to think about. Yeah. Um, but, but you should really uh, go to resilient disciples.com. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I love the character of Eeyore because, and there's this one line inside of the, inside of the book um, that it just says that I believe it was Pooh and Piglet that, you know, that Eeyore was missing and Pooh and Piglet, they just stopped by Eeyore's house. They don't try to change Eeyore, but they just, they said that they sat there until Eeyore felt better. Mm. And so again, it goes back to presence. I think we're able to speak some truth into the lives of kids and disciple them and give them that firm foundation of belief, but it may require us doing some sitting and some being and some slow work and some, some, maybe even some frustrating work thinking that it's like, man, we shouldn't, we be further along than we actually are. But if it's interesting. So for everybody that's listening to this, like, you know, go search the scriptures. God doesn't run a whole lot in his word. Mm. He does a lot of walking. It says in the beginning, he walked in the garden. You know, it says that in the, you know, in the valley of the shadow of death that we're supposed to walk. And, and I think that there's a, there's just a strong correlation that the things that we want kids to believe in, they take time to grow and we can't just run our way there all the time
0: one of the things that reminds me of is this belief work, this belief moment in particular, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it requires that level of presence. It requires a level of knowing. Um, I think about some of the ministries that I've been a part of where people on the outside, you know, even senior pastors or people who are not walking in every day tend to not get it or tend to ask more uh, questions that they think are well intended that can come across as critical. Because it requires being there to know that like we're really close with this kid. Yep. But if it's a if it's another week or if it's another year or if it's another twenty years before they, you know, are understanding what we're doing, like it's still worth it.
1: Yeah. And and I think that there are times, you know, as you're as you're talking and describing, there are times where we're sharing and trying to, you know, deep seed some things and uh, the heart of a child to to create those moments uh, for for belief. And it just feels like it's just bouncing off the kids as we as we share them. And having that relational connection with them helps to make sure that the, that the ground is fertile enough for that seed to take mm-hmm. and for, for that growth to happen inside the life of the child.
0: So it may sound like a bit of a redundant question, but one of the things, again, we talk about this with the belong, but that stands out to me about the book and about this philosophy in general is the amount of care and seriousness Mm. that you guys who wrote it, but just Awana generally took to show the biblical backing. Mm. Um, so can you just dive a little bit into some of the biblical backing behind belief and some of the things that we're talking about?
1: Sure. Um, I think, um, you know, we we start out in the book talking about John's gospel, which I've 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 taught John and. Christian school, the gospel of John. I just, I, I love it. I, you know, as a kid, as a child, it was the thing that was most readily available to me in the church simply because you had like the, our daily bread or, you know, the oh, John's okay. gospel all around. And I was always curious about it because I was just like, you know, this is, this, it's everywhere. Do we ever talk about the other ones? <laughs> um, but, uh, for, for us, you know, the biblical basis of believe, it really does start with, uh, John's gospel because, in John twenty thirty one, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And I think that like, that's the end game for us, for a lot of kids that we want our kids to walk out going you know, by believing in Jesus Christ, they have life in his name. And even Jesus in John 10, 10 says that I've come that you may have life and life abundantly mm-hmm. and the best life possible living inside of the design and the work of, 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 of God. But I think that that, that creates the beginning basis for us because what are all those things? What are all those convincing points? So John's telling us that, Hey, I, I, recorded all of this. So, and a lot of the other gospel writers, I think about Luke did the exact same thing. Like he, he starts his gospel with, I did all of this to make an accurate accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because if anything, which same to the same, that's true for us here today, the world's going to need some convincing. <laughs> um, there, Cause there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a a multi-complex shift that needs to happen inside of the life of every person to go from a place of either disbelief or unbelief or apathy or, or loneliness to seeing all the connected dots that they lay out for us. Um, you know, even people are still going on the street asking today, like, you know, who do you think the Messiah is? Has the Messiah come? Um, you know, there's, there's even a Whole group of people that doesn't even think that he has come yet, right? Um, there, but but what what is the distinctiveness of who God is? And that's actually something that we talk about in the curriculum, which is a great question for kids: is what's the big deal about Jesus? Why's why is he so why why, why, why we talk about him so much? Like, <laughs> what's what's the big deal about him? And just being able to lay that groundwork for everybody to to from from the just the veracity the the validity of the scriptures, the historical context. Um, to see that this, that Jesus is not just some, you know, you know, great historical figure, but that he is the Messiah. He, he has come with the ultimate rescue plan of God to redeem us back to himself and believing in him is he becomes the fixed point of reference for our lives so that no matter where life takes me, he is, he is the firm foundation. It's, it's no, it's no different than, um, uh, I believe it's in the gospel of Mark, you know, we talk about just, you know, Jesus is in the back asleep in the boat and you know, there, there's a storm and you know, all the disciples are like, we're going to drown. We're going to die. This is, this is terrible. And afterwards, you know, they wake Jesus up and say, you know, master, don't you even care that we're, we're about ready to meet our demise? And they have no idea who that they're with. And Jesus has asked them, you know, Oh, oh, you of little faith, mm-hmm. you know, do you not know who you're with? And so some of the other things that we put in through the, just the biblical basis for, um, belief is that uh, we're reminded uh, in many passages of scripture, just the impact of, of God's word on those that believe. And uh, there's one, there's also one instance in Acts 6, 7, it says in the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And that this is really the power and the impact of God's word is that um, it's not just going to impact you. It's going to impact others as well and to think about it in such a way that my belief is connected to somebody else's belief. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
0: It's time for a new conversation. Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church is now available. The book is an honest calling to ask robust questions about the future of faith. In the midst of changing cultural landscapes, this book is a love letter to the church about the children who will one day lead and minister in the face of cultural adversity resilient child discipleship looks beyond the tactics of everyday ministry and focuses our energy on the few key factors that truly contribute to effective long-term discipleship get a copy for you and your team today at resilientdisciples.com hey it's me again i'm glad you're still here as promised here's a conversation with bob and tim bennett bob and tim are father and son Uh, they are missionaries within the context of awana but i don't want you guys to hear this as oh this is just a big plug for how awesome this organization is it's it's much more than that what i hope you pay particular attention to is what i mentioned at the beginning that this stuff that we talk about really works tim bennett is a resilient disciple who is now making other resilient disciples bob and tim are living proof that making resilient disciples is the most important thing we as a church can be focused on. This is part of a much longer conversation that I had with both of them. I'm still pretty new to Awana. And every time I think, oh, I can just sit down and talk to someone for a few minutes, I wind up getting blown away by their passion and expertise about reaching children with the gospel. And it turns out that can take a while to talk about. So here's part of my conversation with Bob and Tim Bennett. You've been able to see a bunch of children who have come from have gone from a place of not necessarily being believers to being believers. What does that look like to be there as God takes a child from belong to believe? And how does that look different for, you know, a child who's a part of your Awana, or your Awana ministry versus raising your own kids? Cuz I would imagine Bob that, you know, you spoke about earlier the sort of anxiety you had and I could see how when you're in this kid ministry space some of that anxiety may have been like, but I'm supposed to know how to do this because this is what I'm doing for my (laughs) job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there, there is a, there, there's a bit of a difference, right? I I guess maybe we put that pressure on ourselves. I don't know that God really sees that. Well, he does because he, uh, you know, he gives us lots of instructions as parents Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily the same instructions that he gives to us. Uh, those of us that are in children's ministry, um, right? It's not necessarily my job to disciple every child, right? But it is my job to disciple my kids, right? Uh, so there's a mm-hmm. there's a sense in in that where there's a difference. But um, but you talked about um, you know the when when you see the light go on, right? There's um, but really the belief probably has already happened right the the moment of belief the it, there's there's like um this uh opportunity uh, act 1631 says believe on the lord jesus christ and you'll be saved and and when we um, when we're sharing the gospel with a child um, oftentimes i've just seen that light bulb go on where they're like oh I'm the sinner that, that, that Christ died for. It's my sins that can be forgiven. And, and I'm the one that, that needs to believe. I, uh, I, that's a very special moment when they go from the belonging to the believing part. I thought back over my years of ministry, you know, there, there have been, I've, I've been privileged to have the opportunity to share Christ, share the gospel with hundreds and hundreds of kids. I've seen um, a number of them come to Christ and then I've had the privilege of praying with them. And, and, and you just sense that this is now my, my brother or sister in Christ um, there, you know, the Bible teaches that we're changed positionally and, and we're made into a new creature and all those things. And, and, and there's just something really special when you have that opportunity to share the message and then the child hears it and understands it and the light bulb goes on and they become a fellow believer in Christ.
3: I was just at a church uh, last Wednesday and I was able to do large group time for their sparkies. And we, we talked about, um, we talked about Peter, um, walking on the water with Christ and how Christ was Peter wasn't really walking on the water. God was holding him on the water. And, and so if we in Philippians four thirteen. Um, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And, and it, it doesn't mean that I can walk out and lift a car because he strengthens me. Right. But I can do the things that Christ asked me to do because of his power in me. And, um, and so that at the end, it was this great time and the kids were really attentive. Right. And so at the end I said, you know, I, I hope that each of you are looking to Christ, that each of you are, are following him, that, you know how much he loves you. And then you know that he's calling you out of the boat, right? He's calling you into life with him out on the water. Right. And, um, and if you need to know more about that, talk with me while I'm here, talk with your leaders. Right. And so after we got done and we're the kit parents are picking kids up. One of the little sparky girls comes up and says, Mr. Bennett, I want to know more about God. I was like, that's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. so I knelt down and I was uh, talking to her. I said, what do you know already and and she she said i know i know he he loves me i know that he came down and he died for me and uh, and i was like well, did he did he did he stay dead <laughs> right did, was there something more to the story and she said yeah he rose again and i was like and what why did he have to like why did he come down what why did he have to die and she's like well because we we were sinners and he needed to pay that penalty and and this was like a, a first grader yeah. right And, and so in my mind, as I'm talking to her, I said, you've got it, right? (laughs) Like you don't, I don't need to press for another like decision. Right. Um, So we prayed and we said that I I was praying for little Maria and I was like, you know, I, I, I just, I pray that you continue in your walk with Christ because I know that there's going to be little moments along the way for the rest of your journey with him that is going to help kind of build that foundation that you have. That's going to, that's going to build on that foundation that you just laid. So continue in your, in your Awana, continue in the Bible study, continue in verse memorization, continue asking your leaders questions, um, and continue building on it because you've got it. You've mm-hmm. got the gospel. You understand it. You know it, right? You're, you believe it.
0: I like that. Bob, I want to circle back to something that you said about Um, you surrounded your boys with other adults who were also believers to make sure they heard the message. And I'm curious the other ways that you were intentional about cultivating a space for them to believe, even if you weren't the ones actually bringing them to that belief point, because I think that also lends to what they became.
2: I think part of that has to go back to Christ working in my life. Um, You know, I I trusted Christ as my savior through a bus ministry. Um, i You know, my parents didn't get up and take me to church on Sunday mornings and those kind of things. And, um, there was a, there was a church that was very faithful and wanted to do more to reach their community. So they started, um, running a big old bus through the countryside and picking kids up. And I happened to be one of the kids that, um, that had the opportunity to ride the bus. Yeah. And so as I went to church on Sunday mornings and would get an hour or so of, um, input from the church. Um, you know, I heard good Bible stories and I'm sure it was great, you know, theological teaching and all of that. And, um, and, and yet it was the people who lived differently and acted differently than the people I saw in my family and the people I saw in my school um, I mean, those were the two places where I interacted with other people as a child in my family and in my school. And I remember uh, I remember very clearly sitting there thinking, um, you know, th- there's something different about these people. Right. Mm-hmm. They they act differently. They speak differently. They um, you know, I would watch parents interact with their kids and they weren't yelling at them and, and demanding, you know, you do this, do that. They were you know, working with their children to help them understand. And, and they were, it seemed like they were kind to their kids, (laughs) you know, those kind of things. And I'm going, wow. Okay. So, so there is difference. And then, um, you know, I, I didn't trust Christ right away. I, I just rode the bus because it was fun and it was something, you know, my house was boring on Sunday morning and nothing going on. So, (laughs) you know, it it was something I could do and they had great snacks. Uh, you know, I just have to, I always bring that up. Right. But, one of the reasons I bring that up is because I happen to know now, uh, I didn't know it then, but I know now that there was a little old lady at, the, at our church who, who made snacks for all the bus kids. She made dozens and dozens and dozens of cookies and she'd bring them down to the church and put them in the freezer so that the bus drivers could get them out anytime they needed more cookies and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and all of those people were all of those people. Um, you know, the people who gave money to buy the bus, the people who, Worked on the bus. The people who drove the bus. The people went out on Saturdays and knocked on doors. All of those people um, were working to reach their community, mm-hmm. and I was I was the beneficiary of a lot of that. Right? They they were picking me up. They were they were giving me a place to belong. They were they were showing me that they loved me, and they would be there every week. They'd be faithful. All of those things were true, and. Because of that, because of the hard work they did, then I was able to come in and see a difference in their lives and go, oh, okay, um, there is a different way to live. I mean, really, before Tim was born, Tim's our oldest, by the way, uh, so before Tim was born, my uh, wife and I like really- a, just so you know. <laughs> does, does he? Okay, good. He acts like a firstborn? All right. So, um, I say that so, as the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, my wife's the firstborn and I'm a baby. So that's how that work. You know, we, we go back and forth about that all the time. Um, at any rate, um, before Tim was even born, my wife and I started praying and going, okay, now we're going into a different phase in our life. We're going to have a baby. I mean, we're, we're going to have uh, a child to disciple. We're going to have, um, you know, a young life to care for physically, but also to care for spiritually. And we started praying even at, even before Tim was ever born that um, the right people would come into his life, that he would hear the message, that uh, you know, that he would understand salvation, and that um, he then we felt like our job was to prepare our kids for service. It's up to God to call them into whatever like it's not my job as a parent to say, I'm gonna raise this kid up to be a pastor. You know, if God calls him to be a missionary, I don't want to raise him to be a pastor and then they God wanted him to be a missionary. But but I believe God has a plan and a calling for each each person who trusts him as savior. And and if I'm if I'm believing that my kids are gonna trust him as a savior, then I need to be preparing them for whatever God has for them. Um, and I'm assuming that's some kind of ministry, because I believe every Christian should be busy in service for the Lord, whether that's their vocation or whether that's a volunteer position, you know, serving as an wanna leader or serving as a, an elder in the church or whatever position God might or being uh, the or being into.
0: the lady who makes cookies for the bus right, right? Like, or
2: being yeah being the lady that makes cookies that's right so so my job as a parent is not to make kids not to not to make those kids grow up and be just like me but to make them grow up and be prepared for whatever God wants them to do in life yeah and, and I think then, that's one of the um,
3: cool things of the um of the book, one of the cool messages in the book is, "What's you know What's your part? What What does the Church right. of 2050 look like if you didn't do what God calls you to do, re- regardless of what that part is? It, it talks about the story of uh, Tyndale and the benefactor for Tyndale when he was um, translating the Bible. And what if they had succumbed to the challenges and said, you know, what this isn't? This isn't worth it. We've got a lot of uh, hurdles coming our way. Mm-hmm. You know, w- what if they didn't do that? We wouldn't have a Bible. You know, we may not have a Bible um, that we can read unless we learned Latin. And uh, <laughs> you know, what if what if that lady, what if that lady hadn't made the cookies and put them in the freezer? You know, Dad may not have had come to church very often because he didn't have cookies on the bus, yeah. right? And what if? Amen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what,
0: Thank you for listening. And thanks to Chris, Tim and Bob for the time. I'm really glad that you're still here because before you go, I have one more thing. The conversation with Chris was just full of wisdom. And this last bit here, I think is so crucial for you as a local kid ministry leader, you are doing such important work. And from Chris's perspective and now my perspective, it's really important that you keep this in mind
1: if anything just an encouragement to the leaders that are out there like look your goal is not to become a sterile professional children's ministry if your kids don't see you crying if your kids don't see you struggling if, if you're because otherwise what you're doing is you're creating this this false sense of reality that they will be frustrated with because they never think that they get it right. They always think that they're doing it wrong. And they, they see this illusion around them because they're taking it back to their everyday context and they're going, well, but I, I don't feel happy all the time. Like the goal of children's ministry is not to make a generation of kids happy.
0: The Brazilian Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches and organizations, as well as resource sales. All of this is to accomplish our mission of equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Norris and Phil Wallace for making this podcast happen. Go to resilientdisciples.com for resources and many more of these conversations.